Now, we are already on on uh, Comedy School's uh, RadioNetwork.com. That's where we are right now. We are not on the other two channels, but we are coming up with them in just a second. So you are faithful listeners on ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. Just hang with us for a second. YouTube, we're with you now. We're with you on Comedy Schools. Facebook Live, give us just a second here. Uh, we hit the start live video. And, 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 away we go. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, children of all ages. Welcome to Living on a Thin Line with a Tony Visick. I am, I am Tony Visick. Uh, we come to you every day at 2 p.m. Arizona time. That's what time it is in Arizona right now, 2 p.m. We are your daily distraction from all the anger, anxiety, weirdness, and hoopla going on in the world today. Uh, we come to you on three platforms, Comedy Schools, Radio Network.com, our flagship internet-based radio station. We come to you on YouTube on the Comedy Schools channel, and we come to you live on Facebook Live. Uh, I'm wearing an Arizona Cardinals hat because I think it looks cool. Isn't this a cool-looking hat? You know, now uh, I uh, I follow the Arizona Cardinals. I'm looking forward to the NFL. I think the NFL is going to have more problems than uh, the uh, NBA has had with their season just because of the uh, the nature of the way things are put together. Just like Major League Baseball uh, continues to have people who uh, have to drop out because the coronavirus or games uh, canceled or rescheduled. Um, uh, you know, someone's phone is ringing right now, and it's not mine. There's a phone ringing in the background, and it's not mine. It is uh, my lovely uh, wife, who just happens to be the producer of the show, Shirley Lowe Visig, but she's downstairs. So we will just hang with the beautiful... There it went. Nope, there it's still going. Uh, we will just hang with the sound of phones ringing for a second. Uh, to get back to, to get back to uh, what I was talking about, both uh, MLB and the NFL are going to have issues with people continuing to get coronavirus because their, um, their bubble is not as solid as the NBA's. National Basketball Association has been able to have a continuation of their regular season, uh, granted, a little abbreviated and different, and go into their playoffs uh, without a single uh, individual uh, coach, assistant, towel boy, referee, anyone coming down with uh, coronavirus and all the players. So that's very cool. Tonight is game four, La Cuatro, uh, between the Denver Nuggets and the LA Clippers. Uh, I will be teaching a workshop during that time, and I just might actually tape the show, uh, tape the uh, game, and then watch it later. I'm not real big on that. Once a game is over, watching the, uh, watching the tape version of it, you know, and not knowing what went on because whatever went, went, on, whatever went on has gone on. I know some people really love doing that. And you always know those people who go, don't tell me to score. Don't tell me to score. And I get it. It's going to give you something to do when you get home. But it's hard not to tell them to score, isn't it? If you go, uh, I go, see the game? They go, no, I, I got it taped. I'm going to go home and watch it. You go, oh, well, it's already over. And they go, yeah, but don't tell me to score. And you just, oh, you want to tell them to score. So damn bad. You just feel like going, you know, Clippers won. Oh, shut up. Shut up. But I don't do that anymore because I respect the fact that that's, uh, that's what they got to do. That's what they got to do. Uh, and I get that. And I might do it tonight. But probably what will happen is every once in a while I'll kind of look down at one of my devices 
and or during a break and just see what the score is or catch uh, the highlights on NBA TV. So that's going on tonight. My uh, advanced workshop is going on tonight strictly on Zoom. I'm excited to um, be teaching that. As you know, if you follow us, we are now teaching at least one class uh, live and in person. Uh, hello, Paul Mooring. Hello, Kevin Brown. Hello, Larry Dye. Hello, Don Shell. Uh, we're teaching at least one show live and in person at uh, Arizona's newest comedy club, JP's Comedy Club. Um, I'm going to set up Zoom shows at JP's Comedy Club, just like we were doing uh, Sunday, nights, uh, Sunday Nights Funnier uh, for quite a while, where we were doing strictly Zoom shows. I'm going to start setting up shows so you, the audience, who want to see a stand-up comedy show inside a comedy club, I'm going to start setting that up for you guys. So that's something for you to look forward to in October, November. Um, man, you know, I would say I can't wait for this to be over, but I have no control over it. And lo and behold, lo and behold, I turn on my television today, and what do I see? I see that our president, Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of the United States, Knew back in February how deadly and dangerous this virus was. He was calling Bob Woodward late at night and telling him this. Bob Woodward taped it all for a book. And while he was telling Bob Woodward how dangerous and deadly it is, he was turning around and telling everybody else it's no big deal. And he says he didn't want people to panic. You think we weren't beginning to panic when we started seeing video coming out of China, people being drugged out of their houses and locked up somewhere if they had it? You think we didn't begin to panic? as we saw all of northern Italy locked up in their houses and bodies being taken out. You think we didn't begin to panic when we saw thousands of our fellow citizens, our brothers and sisters, people who I probably performed in front of in New York City, dying and being put in refrigeration trucks? You think we didn't panic then? Did you think we were all just little babies? Is that what you thought? That we were little babies? And that if you told us, look, something big's coming, man, and we're all going to have to shut down for a while. That we would all just pooped our britches and cried? Is that what you thought, Mr. President? You think we couldn't handle it? Did you think, Mr. President, because you can't handle bad news, that we can't handle bad news? Man, I remember when my wife and I finally, when everything was shut down and we're sitting here and we go, okay, this is what we got to do. We're going to make it work. And if everybody does this, We'll be able to mitigate this virus. But that's not what happened. That's not what happened. People didn't want to listen to the news. People didn't want to listen to Dr. Fauci. They wanted to go to YouTube videos where God who knows made videos going, it's all slides, slides, not really. You know, if you follow the scans. People didn't want to listen to uh, doctors and scientists. They wanted to listen to people on the YouTube. And then governors, you know, then Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of the United States, our president, knew that what he was going to run on was the economy. Uh, you know, and I'll admit it, the economy was humming and a cooking, a humming and a cooking. Now, was it a false humming and cooking? I don't know. Was it a continuation of uh, the economy from prior to him being in office? You're darn right it was. Was it even ratcheted up more because uh, they had opened up all the floodgates under Trout and everybody was feeding? Was the economy opened up more because, look, you can get rid of regulations. By the way, if there's no trash regulation, I can throw my trash over the fence. 
If I can do that, if I can do that, well, I save money on waste disposal. And I got more money in my pocket. You see? Why, if I can, uh, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> if I can just steal electricity from a neighbor, well, I got more money in my pocket. So I don't know how much of this economy was from removing environmental regulations that allowed large corporations. By the way, I'm not anti-large corporation. I like big, large corporations. I like them. They do good things. They make things easier. Amazon makes things easier. You might hate Walmart. Walmart makes things easier. Just makes it easier. We just run over to Walmart. It's open 24 hours. Not now. So he knew that. Donald J. Trump knew that. So he fought to keep this country open as much as possible. Send your kids to school. Kids hardly get it. Yeah, but they get it and give it to people who really get it. They may have figured it out. Oh, we got high numbers because of testing. No, we have high numbers because we have high numbers. Yet, look, man, I'm an alcoholic. I am a clean and sober alcoholic. I have been sober over 35 years. I know a little something about denial. In the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it says that we will chase our denial, our, our, our desire to deny our alcoholism to the gates of insanity, institutions, and death. We will keep drinking in the gutter after we have lost our home and our lives and our wives and our children and our careers, and we'll lay in the gutter and drink because we have a disease. And here's something we don't tell a lot of new people in the program, and I'm going to tell it to you because you need to hear it. People need to hear it. Because first, man, you just want to stop drinking. When you walk into the doors of AA, you just want to stop drinking. And we go, all right. Just don't drink today. But we don't tell them until later on. Go, you know, you have to understand something. This is not a drinking disease. This is a thinking disease. It's the way you think. It's the way your mind functions. And your mind tells you against all evidence that you can drink like a normal person. And then you go out and you run your car into a family of five in a van and kill them. Then you drink until you have cirrhosis of the liver. Then you drink till your wife leaves you in tears because she loves you, but you're a mess. Then you drink till you go to prison. We will chase the idea that we can drink like normal people to the gates of institutions, prisons, and death. And a lot of my friends out there, and I mean my friends, my buddies, my neighbors, my pals, people I like, people I love, didn't and still don't want to wrap their minds around the fact that there is a deadly dangerous disease out there and it's highly communicable it's contagious it's highly communicable and if you get it you might reap the whirlwind so we came up for every reason possibly to fight this and i get it i get it but i don't want to get it <laughs> You know, uh, uh, we do now know, man, if we just all wear masks, then, and I don't wear a mask to protect me, I wear it to protect you, and hope you'll wear a mask to protect me, that we're all just going to be kind and courteous to one another. But oh no, that got politicized too. That's all it is. We're trying to take your freedom. Hell, we're trying to expand your freedom. 
If you'll just wear a fucking mask, you can go out more. If you'll just wear a mask, maybe you can go over and visit your grandkids in their backyard at a distance of just a few feet. And let's face it, your grandkids think you're creepy anyway. They want you all over them with your sweaty old people sweat. So it's a great way to establish something. See, so we know that. Damn it, we just know it. God damn it, we just know it. So everywhere I go, I wear a mask. I wrote a joke. I'll tell you the joke. I'm going to give it to somebody else. It doesn't work for me. I go, I, go uh, <laughs> I wear a mask everywhere. I wear a mask to the grocery store. I wear a mask to the post office. I wear a mask to the doctor's office. I wear a mask everywhere I go, and somehow I still caught syphilis. So <laughs> you see, because you get syphilis too. Okay. I know, man. You know? Everybody wanted to bear back into the AIDS pandemic. Now everybody wants to uh, bear back their faces through the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, we found ways. You know, we know that we have to have human action. We know it, that people need to see people. People need people. And people who need people are the luckiest people in the world. <laughs> so uh, sometimes just going to the grocery store and seeing other people. Oh, wait, we're a cute mask here. Who's selling cute masks? What do we got here? Angela Fox has a uh, 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 thread dress, you know? Uh, there's a, there's a, a, uh, a site here Angela Fox just put up where you can get cute masks. Man, I got all kinds of masks. We are masked up. I got masks. I got gloves. I got hand sanitizer. You know, I think I got a pith helmet. I got a welding mask. <laughs> welding helmet. I got it all, man. Goggles. All of it. I think I got a mouth guard. <laughs> So we are finding ways to be able to interact. We know that if we are outdoors and we, are at, and we keep safe distance, that we're reducing the amount of the, the possibility of getting it. We know even if we're indoors and we will respect one another's space, that we'll reduce the ability to get it. And we know, we know that people have to have human interaction. And that's why, you know, and we live in a state that is partially open. And that's why we decided to open up JP's Comedy Club, knowing people got to come out. People got to see other people. Not all of us, not everybody. Okay? I don't know who Barbara is. Angela Fox says, I'm making Barbara cry. I don't mean to make Barbara cry, whoever Barbara is. Uh, we know that. So that's why we're opening up safe socially distant you'd be required to wear a mask when you come in wear your mask while you're there unless you're eating or having a drink i'll be able to hear your laughs through the muffled mask i'll be happy to hear laughs through muffled masks so we're making it so we got a safe socially distanced brand new spanking clean sparkling safe jim perry make sure that that place is is cleaner than is cleaner than a, a tb ward in a hospital oh oh i made barbara streisand cry because i sing a barbara streisand song <laughs> I was going to talk about one of her albums earlier, uh, but I didn't get around to it. Uh, and so we're going to have a safe social distance uh, place, small, okay? We don't need to make a fortune at the outset at all. We don't have to make a fortune at all. So we're not going to be with all that stress and strain and major anxiety as we allow small groups of people to come in and be able to uh, 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 see a show, see a show, Okay. Uh, some people have done it right the entire pandemic. Our good friend Rick Bronson up in, uh, uh, we, it's North Scottsdale, Phoenix, Rick Bronson's House of Comedy. 
uh, he, man, he, he, he adhered to quarantine rules. He adhered to quarantine rules strictly. He was able to keep a comedy club open. It allowed some comics to be able to go up there and, and be able to express themselves. And you know what? People who do stand-up comedy really need to do it. They really need to do it. At some point, you go, maybe there's an easier way to make a living, sell real estate or something. But we need to. We want to. We have to. We got to. Got to. Got to. Got to. Got to. So uh, he was able to do that in a way to be able to have audiences in, uh, and we've kind of uh, we've kind of looked at what he's done. You know, safe social distancing, no reports of any virus with staff or customers or anything, and that's what we're going to be doing. But man, oh man, oh man, oh man, am I sad? Am I sad to know that the people who knew knew and then lied, fucking lied. Why? Why? How heavy is that deniability? You know, during the uh, AIDS pandemic, there were guys, their stories came out, mostly, uh, mostly men. There was a guy named Ray Sharkey. Let me tell you the story about Ray Sharkey. Ray Sharkey was uh, an actor who took off like a rocket. He was in a movie that uh, was a great movie called Idolmaker. He was in a, a television show. I want to say it wasn't Police Story, but... Uh, he was in a television show. He, was, he had an edge. Uh, look up Ray Sharkey. You look it up. He was a comer. He was one of the bright lights in the firmament of Hollywood stars, burning bright and fast and hard. And he had been, he had been a man who lived on the edge the whole life, and that's, it came across on screen. He was real. He was authentic. He was also a heroin addict. He lived in Hollywood in the 80s. I saw Ray at parties. I saw Ray at 12-step meetings. Matter of fact, I did drugs with Ray Sharkey before I got sober at Hollywood parties. And you just felt cool being around Ray Sharkey. He just had that charisma. He had that style. He had that edge. He had that class. And, of course, when you're using drugs, you don't think too badly of other people using drugs. But Ray was a heroin addict. And Ray contracted HIV, but could, and he was also... He uh, not only uh, did women like him, he liked women, he liked them a lot, and women slept with him at the drop of a hat. Women lined up to sleep with Ray Sharkey. And even when he found out he had HIV, even when he found out he had HIV, he kept having sex with random women without wearing a condom and affected a bunch, one of whom I knew. How does it affect us? How does it come back? If you ever see the movie Broadway Danny Rose, the guy telling the story of Broadway Danny Rose with all the uh, comics sitting around in the restaurant is a comic from an early name, Corbett Monica. Corbett Monica. Corbett Monica had a daughter. And for some reason, even though I knew her, her first name's escaping me right now. But she was a beautiful girl. Corbett Monaco is a good-looking guy. He's handsome. Not quite leading man, but, you know, close to it. Leading man's best friend, you know, could have been leading man on a television show. Comic, smooth, dapper, funny, well-dressed comic. And he had a daughter, and she was beautiful. And uh, I knew her. I was hanging out in West Hollywood. I was hanging out in West Hollywood. Drove a Jeep. Okay? Nice. Even though she was beautiful, she was friendly. She wasn't stuck up. And she teamed up with Ray Sharkey. And they had a little fling. And that beautiful young girl died of HIV. She wasted away. And she didn't have to. 
If Ray Sharkey would have just went, okay, I've got this. How do I deal with it? I'm going to have to change my lifestyle either permanently or for a little while. It turns out that for most people, it was only changing for a little while. Don't be a Ray Sharkey. See, and this is different, man. This is different. Pandemic's different than AIDS. AIDS, damn near had to have sex or share a needle with someone or some poor unfortunate souls got blood transfusions from places that uh, had questionable supplies. But that had to be active. All you got to do to catch this stuff is be around someone who's got it. So don't be, a, don't be the Ray Sharkey of the pandemic. Don't be one of those people creating stupid, unnecessary risks. And then having that on your head, having it on your shoulders. And don't lie about it. Damn it, you know, I try not to make this a political show. I try to make it funny. I don't want to, you know, I do enough of that stuff. But this guy lied to us. I saw him on TV today going, I didn't want people to panic. Really? That's your excuse? You didn't want people to, is that how little you think of us? That you didn't think that you could appear on national television and go, ladies and gentlemen, my fellow Americans, a serious situation is about to arrive on our shores that's going to, require sacrifice from every man, woman, and child in America. We've done it before. We did it during World War II. We did it during the Great Depression. We did it during the Civil War. We did the Revolutionary War. We Americans know how to sacrifice for a longer-term, greater good, and we're going to have to do it for a little while. But if we do, if we do, we will be able to contain this thing that we see in Italy and that we see in China because it's coming to our shores. And here is the plan. There, I just made the speech that every American would have listened to. He didn't do it. And after it happened, he went, ladies and gentlemen, my fellow Americans, we are going to develop. Man, I came up with this months ago on my own. We're going to develop. These are going to be our protocols that is going to save thousands of lives and keep our economy going. And really make America great again, again. Testing, tracing, treatment, vaccine. We're going to find a way to rapidly, we're going to ramp it up like sons of bitches, man. We're going to ramp it up like, like, like Roosevelt had the entire uh, country turned around during World War II. Instead of making, uh, uh, instead of making Fords, making tanks, and we're going to develop mass testing and get everybody tested all the time. And if you got it, we'll be able to quarantine you and take care of you. And then once you've got it and you're out of quarantine, you'll be cool. And we'll be able to do that with a national, national strategy. But instead of like, oh, you know, we'll leave the states to the side. Well, the states could do All right, man. Did I go off on a rant today? Mike Lawson says he could have been a hero instead of a zero. Yeah. Man, man, man. Okie dokie. What time is it, Shirley? How much time do I have? Uh, should I do an album? Seven I got seven minutes? All right. You know what? I'm going to shift gears totally. Totally shift gears. Uh, going to talk about two bands I saw real quick. Um, if you like jazz, and uh, who does? <laughs> But uh, there's several different types of jazz. One of those types of jazz is called fusion. And the band that was behind the fusion jazz movement, Weather Report. Weather Report. Now, originally, I think they were with Miles Davis. It was Miles Davis and Weather Report. 
Port, yeah, with Bitches Brew. Uh, Wayne Shorter was a, a, an important part of this band. Incredible band. Fusion. Fusion jazz. This was jazz that appealed not only to jazz, jazz aficionados. Is that how you say that word? Aficionados? And uh, rockers. I saw Weather Report in a bar in Boulder, Colorado in 1973 when I was a, little, when I was a teenage kid partying, knocking around, uh, living on the streets, getting high and panhandling for beer. Incredible band. If you've never listened to Weather Report, now their big album was I Sing the uh, Body Electric. I Sing the Body Electric. But uh, this one's Black Market. It's got some great tunes on it. Great tunes. Gil, uh, Gil Batrar is just an incredible tune, as is Cannonball. Check out Weather Report. Expand your mind a little bit while you still got one. Expand your mind a little bit while you still got one. All right, Weather Report. And then, of course, we're going to talk about uh, one of my all-time favorite bands. Little Feet. Now, we've talked about Little Feet before. We're talking about Sailing Shoes, which was their seminal album. This is the album that took them from, took them from uh, uh, kind of a niche uh, a band uh, listened to by uh, a large but not massive following. But this album, Waiting for Columbus, took them all the way to superstardom. Made that where they had pop hits, not just albums that were respected. Uh, side one is just stunning. Joined the band, Fat Man in the Bathtub, All the Dream, Oh Atlanta, and Old Folks Boogie. It's a stuff. Oftentimes, man, a live album, the songs don't sound as good. They actually made the songs better. Sailing Shoes is on here. Sailing Shoes is a veiled reference to uh, cocaine. And uh, Lowell Jarge, the genius behind Little Feet. You really can't make him out standing there, maybe. But you can always tell a little bit. Look at him. An angry young man with his axe. He loved that cocaine, and he was one of the early casualties in the 70s of uh, cocaine addiction. He died of a heart attack in his bathtub uh, because of overdosing on cocaine. But if you want to listen to it, uh, this was another great fusion. These guys worked with Zappa. The story is they were Zappa's session band, and Zappa told them one day, get out, form your own band. You're too good to just be session musicians. All right? So they went off and they did it. Stunning songs in here. Dixie Chicken, huge hit. Tribe Face Boogie, Rocket in My Pocket. Uh, a Political Blues, one of my personal favorites, not a lot of other people's. Feats Don't Fail Me Now, and... Uh, Willin', which is one of the great, great, great tug at your heartstrings for the oddest reason songs ever. So if you've only heard Little Feet lately in the last few years, occasionally on the radio when you're in the car, you only hear a few of their big hits, download this entire album, Waiting for Columbus. Or if you got it in your record collection, get it out and play side one, side two, side three, and side four, and really give yourself just a fun treat. There was just something fun in the way they played. I got to see them at the fabulous Fox Theater in 1977. Uh, how good was that concert? I still remember almost all of it. And I was fucked up. So, <laughs> so uh, ch check it out. As a famous, infamous comic from the Comedy Store, who we'll talk about later, Angel, used to say in all of his act, check it out. So check them out. All right, folks. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for putting up with me. I'm going to be back tomorrow. 2 p.m. Arizona time after the Clippers win tonight. We have a great advanced class on Zoom. You, too, can be part of our comedy workshops. Go to ComedySchools.com and click the sign up to join the, uh, the uh, beginner class starting this Thursday on Zoom. Or if you're in the greater Phoenix area and we have the capacity, come on over to JP's Comedy Club in Gilbert, Arizona, 
and check out class one this coming Monday night. That's all. That's it. So long. Farewell. Bye-bye.